Welcome into the GT Counter Podcast. My name is Tyler Edsel, host of this podcast. And joining me today here for his Thursday special recording is my guy Reed Roloffs, host of the Moneyline Masterclass Podcast. Reed, welcome back. Good to be back. It was great to have you on my pod. You know, always going to be fun to go back and forth with you, chopping it up. Um, yeah, excited to be here. This is, uh, I think, my third or fourth appearance, so getting a little bit more comfortable as we go, and, uh, you know, we got a fun slate ahead of us. Yeah, the little the home and home series, I think I can get used to that, uh, you know, home game on, away game for me on uh, Sunday, then uh, home game here on Wednesday, so we'll take that. Gr- my co-host, Grayson Winters, is not here tonight. My guy is busy with life stuff, so uh, we'll, we will see him back here for the Monday pod, but... Uh, it's just me and Reed today chopping it up here, discussing the the weekend ahead. We've got some, we've got a sleepy slate according to most people, but I think if you look long and hard enough, we can see we can see some value in there, and uh, you know maybe some good games along the way as well. So without further ado, let's get into the weekend precap. One thing you're looking forward to, y'all know the rules. Reed, over to you first. What's your thing? Yeah, I know. It's probably going to be the last, I don't want to say least exciting week of college football. Um, There are always good games out there. Uh, Definitely going to be, I will say, more exciting going into, you know, the further weeks when we get into conference play. But, you know, a couple games I got my eye on. You know, I guess I'll stick with my old faithful, my Minnesota Gophers headed to North Carolina. Uh, Really going to be an interesting game. You know, Minnesota's defense has been really good through a couple games. You know, didn't even allow a first down in the second half of their last game. Granted, it was Eastern Michigan. Uh, but nevertheless, that's still pretty impressive. You're going to have to try and hold down Drake May, which is no easy task by any means. So uh, that's going to be a great game of, you know, two different styles going head-to-head there. One of them has got to come out victorious. So, one of them will be leaving undefeated. The other will not. So that's what I'm most excited forward to. Um, and, you know, a couple other games, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, we will. And, uh, you know, they didn't allow a first down in the entire second half last week, and yet they still did not cover the number I had. So not salty about that whatsoever. But me and PJ, I don't know if I can row the boat for PJ anymore. You know, that's a tough one. Yeah, I, I know we <laughs> I tried to warn you. I saw the the flaws offensively from Minnesota. Uh, I tried to row you off that boat. You might have to row another year. Um, it was good to have you on the boat as long as we did. We hope we can keep you on there, but I don't blame you for hopping off. Yeah, I mean, you get first and goal with the one with like, what, two and a half minutes left, and then you go slip, get stuffed, throw an incomplete pass on play action. And then it's fourth and goal from the two. And what do you do? Naturally, you kick the field goal to make a two-score game a two-score game. So what are you going to do? I mean, that just is what it is. But that's why they're, That's why you bet them. That is why you bet them. So for me, I think the thing I'm looking forward to this weekend is getting to see some of these teams go on the road for the first time. You know, there's a few matchups, which we'll get to in the marquee slate, where a ranked team goes on the road to an unranked team. So I'm interested to see how those play out. We'll get kind of get to see the first true road test for, for these teams. And uh, 
that shows us a little bit more than what we'd see in the buy games at home. So looking forward to that. And we will go ahead and start up our marquee games. We'll start with the pros first, just to get it out of the way. Uh, We will go to Thursday night. That will be tonight when you guys are listening to this. We have the Minnesota Vikings traveling to Philadelphia. It's a game that was played last year that didn't go very well for the Vikings. And, uh, you know, this year we come into it with the Vikings getting upset at home against the Buccaneers. And the Eagles didn't exactly look great on the road in New England either. They kind of let New England hang around in that game. Uh, didn't really put them away at all, kind of benefited from some turnovers. But we go into this one. The Eagles are favored by just under a touchdown at six and a half. Totals at 49 and a half. So actually relatively high scoring game for the NFL, which has some extremely low totals this week. I don't know if you looked at that, but a lot of low totals on the board this week. But we'll kick it over to you. You are our Vikings expert here. What's your uh, what's your read on this one? Yeah, I... You know, both these teams were a little underwhelming in week one. Differences, one team found a way to get it done, while the other did not. You know, Minnesota, we know how kind of fluky their season was last year. It was almost like all these one-score games were not sustainable. And, you know, it had this, this had the same feeling as a game, you know, in week one as it did last year, where it's like, oh, we're down in the fourth quarter. But we know how the script goes. We'll get a stop and we'll score late and we'll act like we do this every week. And then it didn't happen. And it's like, wait a minute. Or is the bad luck, you know, finally catching up to us? So, again, I am a lot higher on Philadelphia. The only question mark there is, you know, they got do got some injuries. And anytime you're playing on a short week, you know, it's just tough. It, it, it You can't. You can't act like this isn't professional football. Guys get beat up. They're going to be missing some, I think, at least three or four starters from what I saw. So that might keep it relatively close. But, again, I think this Minnesota team has too many flaws on the interior offensive line and defense as a whole. So it wouldn't shock me if Philadelphia found a way to run away with this in the second half. Uh, Not too optimistic about my Vikings this year. You know, I could go into a whole nother rant about what I want them to do, uh, but save that for another day. Yeah, yeah. So going into this one, for the Eagles, they do have one injury. Kenneth Gainwell is ruled out, so that's a tough one there for them. But uh, they do have some running back depth there with with Swift and Brashad Penny as well. I forgot that he is uh, he's now an Eagle. So going into it, we'll kind of take a look at where the money's coming in. Uh, Vikings are getting 35% of the bets on the spread, but 53% of the money. So tells you that maybe there's some sharp money coming in on your boys, which is interesting. That number has gone from seven to six and a half. Um, I mean, I expect a good effort from the Vikings after quite frankly, being embarrassed at home last week, you go on the road short week, you get the chance to flush it out of your system pretty quickly. So I think I'm expecting a, a good performance out of the Vikings. I don't know if that'll be enough to get it done outright, but, you know, at that number, keeping it within a touchdown, I don't hate it at all. I'm also looking forward to a big week from the tight ends this week, both tight ends, actually. So uh, Hawkinson, you know, 
I think his uh, reception number is at four and a half. I like that over. I think that Kirk, whenever he's under pressure, find the safety blanket. And if it's not Jefferson, it's probably going to be Hawkinson. So like that. And then Goddard had just an awful week last week. Only had one target. So I'm expecting a bounce back week and an emphasis from the Eagles to get him the ball. So that's my read there. But, uh, you know, gut feeling says Eagles win a close one. What say you? Yeah, I don't think it, I think the Eagles pull away late. You know, it might be <clears throat> close in the first half, but I think that the Vikings have really never handled mobile quarterbacks well. Have you know struggled to keep them in the pocket? So I think that gets exposed, especially later in the second half, after Hertz has maybe been running on us all the game. So yeah, I think the Eagles probably pull away, but you know, for I guess everyone's sake, I hope it remains competitive. Yeah, yeah, with uh, with Al Michaels, Kirk, and the boys on on Amazon Pro- Amazon Prime on the call, so we'll see about that. We'll head into the next NFL game here. Got one good one in the noon slate from what I could get: Chiefs at Jaguars. We got the Chiefs favored by three and a half. That line has moved from three over under set at fifty one. Some steam on the over. That number started at fifty. So uh, both teams. Played last week. The Chiefs played on Thursday. Got upset by the Lions at home without Travis Kelsey. So I think that's where this game comes down to it is, is Travis Kelsey going to play? Because we saw that offense without him, and it was pretty dreadful. A lot of drops from Kadarius Toney and the the boys on the outside there. But, uh, you know, the Jaguars could have been a potentially uh, sleepy spot against the Colts. With Anthony Richardson there coming in, he played well, but uh, the Jags were just too talented for the Colts, and they got a win and a cover last week on the road. So what's your read on this one? We've got uh, the Chiefs getting 74% of the bets, but 92% of the money. A lot of money on the Chiefs this week. Yeah, the line still feels a little bit low, I think. Um, You know, both these teams, we know what they're capable of offensively, and I know it's even though I watched the Chiefs game last week and they they couldn't have played you know a worse offensive game it felt like there's got to be some you know positive you can't be as bad as they were so I imagine they'll bounce back you know Kelsey will be huge if he's able to go uh, do we know if he's I guess which way he's leaning there officially listed as questionable but I saw on a little clip from his podcast that. Uh, he was feeling much better this week and is going to try to give it a go. So we shall see on him. But leaning towards in, if I had to guess. Yeah, that's, you know, he got an extra 10 days of rest, which I'm sure, you know, with the injury he had, every day counts. So uh, I imagine he'll play Jacksonville, obviously, with the addition of Calvin Ridley. They got even better offensively. So, you know, honestly, tough to pick a side here. You know, I actually like Jacksonville at home, I think. And even Chris Jones. I forgot Chris Jones is back with Kansas City. He just signed a new contract extension, too. So, yeah, a lot to like Kansas City getting their guys back. But Jacksonville is no slouch either. So, you know, I actually like, you know, plus three and a half for Jacksonville. But I like the over a little bit more. I think that, you know, this is probably the highest game of the week in terms of over-under in the NFL. And I still think it goes over. So, yeah, I, I lean over there. I'm with you here. I would not be able to pick a side. I'm with you. I do lean Jacksonville, but uh, it is kind of a personal constitution thing that we don't fade Patrick Mahomes around here. So uh, 
not going to do that. But I do like the over there. I do think that Jacksonville can can put up points on this Chiefs defense that just allowed the the Lions to score three touchdowns. Granted, one of them was a pick six, but you know, Jared Goff is uh, is not exactly the the best quarterback to play against. So, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence can do some damage there. So if I had to pick a side here, I would go over as well, but should be a fun game, you know, in Jacksonville, first home game for the Jags this year, everybody's going to get their best shot whenever it's uh, Kansas city in the building. So looking forward to watching that one. That one's a, a noon game on, I believe CBS. Yeah. CBS. So we will get to watch that one. And then immediately following that game on CBS, a big CBS day, we've got the New York football jets traveling to Dallas to Jerry world to play the Cowboys. This, uh, this in an opening line was three and, uh, it is nine and a half now. So, uh, wonder what that could be, you know, but, uh, with Zach Wilson at the helm, I don't think there's too much to, uh, to get into here. I, I mean, I guess you could see a, uh, like, stick up for your guy performance, but, you know, nine and a half, I think that's uh, a bit, a bit too, it's too high and too low for me. I'd want double digits with the Jets, but I don't want to lay more than a touchdown with the Cowboys either. So, a total on this one is extremely low at 38 and a half. That is shocking, really, for a Cowboys team who put up 40 points last week to, uh, to have the total in the entire game be less than what they scored last week, that's uh, that's a shocking one to see. But uh, interested on your thoughts? Yeah, I think the the Jets are going to quickly realize, you know, obviously the rolling of Zach Wilson here at quarterback. Not like they have a ton of other choices, but you know, they've there's rumors today that they've started to explore the option of you know the free agent market, maybe the the trade market as well. Um, some of those backups out there that you know might fare a little bit better than Zach Wilson. I think this this Sunday will speed that process up. Wilson's going to struggle. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be able to move the ball at all. Uh, Dallas, obviously, has a really good defense. There's a reason this over-under is set at what it is. I think they – I think it's kept close, you know, this game just because of the Jets' defense. I think the Jets' defense is – you know, even maybe even better. Uh, the fact that they were able to win that game last week is unbelievable. But again, this is just a wake-up spot for the Jets. It's just tough to see Rodgers go down. Obviously, he may have his enemies, but with the hype surrounding it, nobody wanted to see him go down like that. Four plays into the season, so yeah. In this game in particular, I think Dallas pulls away and. You know, I think they probably do cover that number at nine and a half, but I think it's probably going to be a pretty ugly game. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I mean, I don't want to touch any part of it because you could see this game going into the fourth quarter. It's, you know, 27 to three, and both teams just pull the plug on the starters, and you get two quick touchdowns, and all of a sudden your under is dead, and, you know, you're sweating a number there. So I don't think there's a any reason to bet this game quite frankly there might not be any reason to watch the game either with with Zach Wilson at quarterback but uh you know it's on there it's the national prime window there 325 on CBS and everybody loves the Cowboys except for those who don't so you know 
it is what it is there, but not expecting a whole lot of entertainment value out of that game. But you never know. It is the NFL. These things, uh, these things happen, and upsets are are certainly available for the taking. So, with that, we'll get into the last game that really caught my eye. Here, it is Monday night at seven fifteen on ABC. We've got the Browns, who just pulled off a huge win at home against Cincinnati, going to Pittsburgh, who was just obliterated by the 49ers last week. Uh, This thing, the Browns are favored by 2.5 points total, again at 38.5, which is suspiciously low. Uh, You've got, you know, I don't think too much injury problems in this game. I'll need to double-check that real quick. Uh, You've got Deontay Johnson, who is out with a hamstring, so that's tough for the Steelers' receiver depth there for – for Kenny Pickett, but if you dive into this, this number, the Browns opened as a dog in this game, and they have quickly risen to be a favorite. Uh, Money-wise, coming in, 58% of the bets on Cleveland, but 60% of the money on Pittsburgh, so might see some sharp action there on the Steelers at home. Mentioned this last week on the Thursday pod, how the Steelers were 15-3 and against the spread with uh, Mike Tomlin as a home dog. Obviously, they are now 15-4 and against the spread, as a home dog under Mike Tomlin after last week's obliteration. But, uh, you know, you're going back to the well on the trend there, Reed. Yeah, again, this feels like, to me, a pretty gross game. Uh, You know, none of these teams are, I think, what would you say, exciting. Uh, I'm curious to know what you think. I, I personally, I'm not a Kenny Pickett guy. I'm not sold on him that he's the guy there in Pittsburgh. Uh, I know Pittsburgh fans are excited about him and, you know, what he could become, but I haven't seen enough personally to think that he's the guy. Uh, I'm Yeah, I'm really just curious what you think about that. So I struggle to get there with Pickett, but I don't know how much of that is due to the offensive system he's in. You know, with uh, Matt Canada as offensive coordinator over there, it's uh, not, the, not the most quarterback-friendly system you'll ever get, especially from – when Kenny Pickett was at Pitt, you know, they were way less pro style when he was there now with, than what they are with Narduzzi, who is uh, much more pro style running football. But when, when Pickett was there, it was spread out, get the ball out, and, and let's go. So I think that adjustment has been hard for him, but they have decent weapons. They have, you know, George Pickens on the outside. Deontay Johnson's hurt, which is tough, but two good running backs with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. So I think there's enough there for, for Pittsburgh to potentially do something regardless of quarterback. But yeah, last week was obviously very disappointing for Pickett. Uh, as far as this game goes, I'm going back to the well with it. Browns off of a huge upset win. Steelers off of a really, really disappointing loss. I like the bounce back there, but uh, you know I don't have, I'm not sure I'll be laying any of my uh, my own hard-earned cash on it. Yeah, I, I'd probably lean Cleveland, but again, this game is just – I don't love it either for either side. Neither side would shock me. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely a stay-away spot, but that under, again, that's such a low number. It's hard not to just say, can we see a 21-20 to 20 game and hit that over? But, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to watch. It is the Monday night game, so it'll draw – a decent crowd, but yeah, not, not that I feel confident either way. 
Yeah, that number, just looking at the line movement on it, yesterday afternoon it was at 40 and a half. And at the time of recording tonight, it's 830. It's down to 38 and a half. So that's a lot of movement in, you know, a day and a half. That is, uh, so, you know, not sure there's any weather issues up there. I'd have to check it, but that does feel like a lot of movement. I think there's a lot of total reaction this week with the NFL. Just, I did see that the, uh, the under went 12 and four against the spread last week. So I'm sure a lot of books are, are trying to cover because, you know, the sharp side is typically the under public love the overs. So I think they're probably trying to adjust that a little bit, but, uh, you know, Interested to see that one. I know you, uh, what's, what's your take on the whole, uh, totals thing? Yeah. I pulled up the weather here. looks like a 40% chance of rain on Sunday, but Monday looks like it's clearing up. So again, doesn't look to be a weather factor. Uh, obviously still early enough in the week, but yeah, it's a, it's a low, you know, until proven otherwise, we might have to just sit back and I mean, some of these teams are going to have to hit the over at some point. It's It'll be really interesting if these continue to go under and as these totals continue to drop each and every week. Something to monitor for sure. But, yeah, I, I mean, I lean, I guess, over there. But, yeah, just still gross overall. Yeah, it could be some interesting buyback chances there in the future if these numbers continue to go down. But, uh, you know, that's the joy of NFL betting. It's way more predictable than college, I guess. But, you know. That's the uh, the joys of dealing with professionals. So that's enough professional football talk for me. Coming up next, let's dive into where we where we make our money, Reed. Let's get into the college game. So got a few marquee games, and then we'll hit on the uh, the financially inclined section, which excited to bring that to you today. So coming up next, let's get into the college game. Coming back, Reed, it's time to get back to where we butter our bread, where we make our money here. We are into the college game. We've got five marquee games, including four of those where a ranked team goes on the road to an unranked team and yet are still favored in the game. So starting off, we have to go to what I would call the marquee game of the week. Tennessee travels to Florida at 6 o'clock Saturday night. That's an ESPN game. You've got Tennessee favored by 6.5 to 7, depending on where you find it. Total is at 58.5. So... Florida, obviously, this year has been mighty disappointing. They uh, believe they're 0-2 against the spread. And, uh, yeah, 0-2 against the spread. But Tennessee's not exactly been a uh, against-the-spread darling this year either, only beating the fighting Scotty Waldens of Austin P by 17 last week. So the interesting thing with Tennessee is how good they've been on the ground. Last year with Hendon Hooker, they were really efficient through the air. But this year, they've been great on the ground. They average over six yards a carry. So interested to see if that can hold up as they get into conference play here. But what's your read on this one here, Reed, with uh, Tennessee suspiciously under a touchdown? Yeah, I definitely one of those things where you wake up on Sunday and you see this line come out and you're wondering what on earth is going on. Florida stinks. And... You know, I mulled it over for about two seconds and realized I don't care. I'm taking the bait. Florida, or not Florida, Tennessee, minus six and a half. Absolutely. Banging the hammer. Couldn't be more confident about it. I know it's the swamp, but last time I checked, Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer are no longer in Florida. So 
give me the volunteers. I I don't think it'll be close. You know, I, I don't even think it'll be a seven point game. I think it'll be double digits. I think they run away with it. Florida is not good offensively. I don't think they'll be able to score. I don't think they can stay in it. I know this isn't the Tennessee team from last year. And I know they struggled a little bit last week. You know, they had that uh, that all-powerful players-only meeting <laughs> to uh, square things away. Um, effectiveness on that to be determined. But, again, I don't think that they're able to hang in uh, Florida, that is. I don't think they're able to hang in there. And I think Tennessee Bulls are wide open. Yeah, you know, the players' meeting, it's uh, very much uh... – like that soccer coach that once said, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. So I think that's what uh, we have to determine on the players meeting there. But I'm with you here. I like the public side of Tennessee. There's no doubt who the better team is. Tennessee is by far the, the better team, the more talented team. The only thing that worries me is Florida might be in a potential situation here where it's like it's back against the wall time for Billy Napier. You know, he's coming off of a really disappointing Utah loss. They're trying to still find their identity down there in Florida. So, you know, this is probably going to be the chips are all in on this one and we're we're selling out to get the win at night in front of the home crowd. But I think Tennessee is too strong for Florida. I think the run game can wear down on Florida's defensive line, their front seven. And as long as Joe Milton doesn't turn the ball over a few times, then I think they're they're in good shape to wear down on Florida and get this cover. So I agree with you. I think it's a two-touchdown game, and uh, I will happily take the Vols under a touchdown there, but uh, full well knowing the potential for blow up there. So, But that's the risk you take when you, uh, you bet on somebody like Joe Milton. So... Willing to live with it, and we move on. So on to the next one, we have number seven, Penn State, traveling to Champaign, the house of pain, for Illinois. It's the 11 a.m. big noon kickoff on Fox. Uh, Penn State, 14.5-point favorite, depending on where you get it. Could be up to 15.5 at some books. Total at 48.5. So with that number, you're looking, oh, quick math, at you know, like, 31 17 something along those lines uh interested to hear you know we love drew aller around here but 14 and a half is a lot to lay on the road especially against that illinois team who has shown flashes of playing great defense especially last year but you know illinois coming off a tough loss to kansas and jalen daniels interested to see how they bounce back do you think uh penn state can blow this one open yeah, you feel like they should absolutely be able to. Um, not super high on Illinois. You know, they the last game that they played shouldn't have really been even as close as it was. Uh, I think they really got beat by closer to 20 points. Um, I just think Penn State is a really solid football team, well put together, and they can run the ball. And they're absolutely going to do that on – is that on uh, that is on Saturday, yeah. So again, the I just have a difficulty, really anything above ten points, just because after two possessions, you know stuff can change where you know you put the backups in and wild shenanigans can go on as they often do in college football. So anything more than fourteen and a half, unless I feel like it's just a horrific line, 
I tend to stay away. Uh, I think it's a fair line here, so you know, I I lean neutral in this case. Yeah, it looks like it opened at 11 and a half, got hammered up to that 14 number. And at that number, I really don't want any part of it. Uh, Illinois is a feisty bunch. You got, you know, Altmaier out there doing things at quarterback, although uh, he was hammered a few times last game with Kansas. But, you know, with I'm we're both really high on Penn State. And so if I was going to look at an angle, I'd potentially look to fade them with taking Illinois in the points. Maybe try to find a middle in case something uh, squarely does happen. But, yeah, I want no part of this. Penn State's uh, the more talented team. It's just surviving the spot on the road. So, no play for me there, but I'm intrigued to watch it. Should find out a lot about uh, Penn State going on the road to an atmosphere that will be uh, challenging. I'm sure the Illinois fans will be there and uh, ready to support their guys. So, no play there for me, though. So, we'll keep it moving. On to the next, we have LSU traveling to Mississippi State. Number 14, LSU at 1-1. One and one. They are favored by 9.5 at last check. The total of 54.5. This is the 11 a.m. ESPN game. So, again, a lot of eyes on this one. Number feels suspiciously low for an LSU team, which is very talented and a Mississippi State team that had to survive Arizona last week at home. But, you know, strange things happen in Starkville, and not sure I'd be comfortable laying 10 points here with LSU, but interested to see your thoughts on clearly a more talented team, but not sure about the spot. Yeah, this was another game that I was, you know, suspicious about that line. And, you know, I really thought of it in this way. You look at the rosters, how many five and four stars do LSU have? How many does Mississippi State have? The scales are not equal by any means. I think LSU was embarrassed in week one against Florida State. Um, wouldn't have wanted to be a part of those meetings the following week. And they took that out on Grambling State last week. And again, I think that <laughs> they're still feeling you know, like that week one was embarrassing. And I think they bring that into today's, or not today's game, this weekend's game against Mississippi State. 10, I don't, I truly don't feel like this will be close. I, that seems like a first half spread to me. And I honestly think that it might, it, it might get out of hand quick. So not to say Mississippi State isn't talented. I just, think the LSU has a lot to prove and I think we'll see it pretty quickly yeah the thing that bothers me about this game is the way Mississippi State is not the team that they were under Mike Leach they they have only attempted 46 passes the entire year for reference Jalen or uh, Jaden Daniels LSU's quarterback has completed 46 passes this year so he's completed as many as Mississippi State has attempted which is way different than what they used to do under Mike Leach, who would throw it 60 times a game. So a bit interesting there with how Mississippi State has attacked it. They are averaging more yards per carry than LSU is at 5.7 yards per carry. So this has been a run-first team that they've been they've assembled there in Starkville. And, you know, I'm not sure how to quite handicap that. 
you know, going against an LSU team that we saw Florida State dog walk in the second half as the last true competition that we've seen. Uh, this is a play that I'm going to look to make. Uh, I do have not gotten there yet just because I don't like the nine and a half. But if I see a 10 or a 10 and a half pop up, you can bet that I will be looking to back the Bulldogs of Mississippi State at home. 10 just feels like a lot to lay in an SEC conference game, especially with LSU and Brian Kelly and all of his shenanigans. So, you know, if a 10 pops up, I'll take it. If not, I will happily stay away from this one and just, uh, you know, watch for the heck of it. So good stuff there. Let's head to Missouri, a team that we are high on. Coach Drink and the boys are hosting number 15, Kansas State. K-State opened as just a one-point favorite, but that number is all the way up to five. Now, a lot of steam coming in on the Wildcats there. This This is a rivalry game. Obviously, the two states closely connected. But interested to see your thoughts on this one. We're both high on Mizzou this year, but hasn't exactly been the most encouraging start for our Tigers. So interested to see where you're at on this one with a five-point spread. Yeah, it might be a bad time to break the news here, but I think I am, you know, off the Mizzou bandwagon. You know, I liked what I saw in the preseason. Or I should say I liked the roster. You know, they brought in a couple of transfer receivers. I figured that offensively they would take a step forward. And I know it's still early, but that has not necessarily been the case. Um, again, I think Kansas State, you know, I wish I would have saw that minus, you said minus one or minus one and a half it came in at. Yeah, that sounds like free money to me. Uh, I think Kansas State wins this game. You know, it's, could I think it'll be close, Missouri at home, but ultimately I feel like Kansas State probably wins this game. Wasn't something I felt super strongly about, but I think I just don't feel great about Missouri in general. They could prove to shock me and pull this one out i would sound like a fool at this point but uh, i'd be shocked if they were able to do that (laughs) yeah i mean so just looking at the recent odds update looks like there's been a little bit of buyback it's back down to four four and a half even three and a half at some books so maybe some buyback on our tigers but we got into this with the last pod we were together our our tigers have been uber conservative for some reason coach drinkowitz has punted five times on fourth or five and less from inside of midfield so i don't know if he's just trying to hold back something there or if he's you know playing it safe this year for whatever reason or whatever but that's not a trend that we can afford as uh tiger backers this year so going into this game k-state appears to be the more talented team and uh, so if I had to pick a side, I would probably take them laying the three and a half to four and a half. You're kind of in the dead zone there between uh, a field goal and a touchdown. So not sure the number particularly matters too much, but um, I would have to lean towards the Wildcats at this point. But, you know, maybe Mizzou has just been hiding their strategy with all the uh, the early punting, but they only beat Middle Tennessee State by four last week. So a bit concerning there, but. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the last one here. The battle for Colorado got Colorado state checking in at plus 23 against coach prime and the buffs. This game has 
had an opening line of 10 points preseason. And that has obviously Colorado has won a few games. They weren't expected to that number has steamed all the way up to almost three and a half touchdowns. Interested to see your thoughts, maybe Colorado state underachieving and Colorado definitely overachieving, but I'm not sure you'd be uh, looking to back Colorado state at this point, but you know, is 24 too much to lay? Yeah, when I first saw this number, you know, I think preseason, obviously I don't think they had this line out, but it wouldn't have been anywhere close to that. I think Colorado State was, you know, expected to be, you know, this might have been in single, I'd imagine this would be in single digits and it would be, I mean, not even close to where it is now, but, you know, Colorado State, I, you know, thought would be better this year and, you know, playing... Washington State, who I didn't think was going to be very good, they got absolutely hammered. So, again, that was a little concerning. Uh, I know I've talked on here about my love and adoration for Colorado, more so because they've been so fun to watch. But I, that's it feels like a trap game either way. I don't like it. I feel like Colorado will, will win the game, as they should, as – heavy favorites, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if Colorado State was able to, you know, put up a little bit more of a fight. You know, it's not like Colorado's defense under Coach Prime has opened many eyes. So feels like a little bit too many, especially with the offense taking a little bit of a step back last week. So not a spot I feel comfortable in either way. Uh, I imagine Colorado will win the game, but I did find it interesting to see the live updated win total for Colorado at seven and a half. So quite the upcharge from their three and a half to start the year. Yeah. If you like an under grab it now, or maybe potentially after this game, because they go to Oregon and then host USC at the end of September. That is, I mean, we're going to get the chance to sell Colorado pretty soon. And, uh, you know, some people on this podcast might even be looking to start selling this week in the uh, the sandwich spot. You get a big game against Nebraska at home last week. You get Colorado State, who's underachieved this year, right before you head to Oregon next week. Gonna see, gonna see if Coach Prime can keep his guys motivated out there. The thing that stood out to me is these are two teams that just cannot run the ball whatsoever. Colorado this year is averaging 1.68 yards per carry, which is truly dreadful. But Colorado State's only averaging 1.85 yards per carry. So neither team can run the ball at all. Shadir is obviously a quarterback mismatch for, I believe Colorado State might even be trotting out a backup this week. So potentially a tough scene there. But this is a complete garbage pick of the week. And I'm going to wait until as close to kickoff as I can. So all of that sweet sweet colorado public money comes in they're getting 89 percent of the bets right now so i'm gonna keep waiting on that to come in then i'll probably try to get colorado state at you know plus 25 plus 26 something like that i just think at the end there dion might call the dogs off to uh get the minds right and focused on the ducks next week but you know is colorado state live to pull an upset probably not so i think that's all that needs to be said there little bit of a shorter slate of marquee games this week, but we'll make up for it next week with some absolute bangers as the start of conference play gets going. But coming up next, we have to keep you advised of what we are 
financially inclined to watch. So we'll get into those games next, and then we'll wrap it up with our own the board picks, which we are each up over a hundred Monopoly bucks on the year. Reed has stormed out into the lead after a huge week last week, but we'll update the game coming up next. All right, Reed, we're dumpster diving here a little bit this segment, but we have some games that we are financially inclined to watch this week. And I will start off on Friday night, 6 o'clock on FS1. We're going to the Dirty Terps. Scott Van Pelt's Fighting Turtles of Maryland are playing host to Virginia. That line is at 14.5 to 15.5, depending on where you look. And I love the Terps this week, Reed. Virginia is truly dreadful. And Virginia and uh, Maryland with Talia at quarterback, they've been a little bit sloppy to start the year, but I think this game getting ready to head into conference play. This is conference play, actually. ACC, Virginia is in the ACC. No, Maryland's in the Big Ten. <laughs> Whoops. Anyhow, we'll forget that I said that part. But, you know, you look at this matchup, and Maryland has been really good on the ground this year. They're averaging 5.8 yards per carry. Conversely, you look at Virginia, they're averaging a cool yard and a half per carry. So big mismatch there on the ground. And Talia is obviously a much better quarterback than whoever Virginia is rolling out there. So I will take my chances on the home turtles laying 14 and a half up to 15 and a half. And I would honestly play it up to 17. So go Terps on that one. Yeah, it's just looking at Virginia's perspective, you know, had a chance of a lifetime to beat James Madison and weren't able to finish it out. The rain delay had some effect on that one, I imagine, and, you know, weren't able to close it out there. Uh, at quarterback, like you mentioned, Talia is the heavy favorite, uh, by far the better player. Virginia is either going to roll out a true freshman or something named Tony Musket. So... I like my chances here with the Terps. I don't think it'll be close. Uh, I was hoping I, I liked it at 13 and a half, 14 and a half. It just has me thinking of some scary backdoor cover there. So not something that I want to stamp my name to, but it wouldn't surprise me if Maryland scored 50 by themselves. The hook is definitely concerning, but got to lay it there with that number and I'm happy to do so. I think it's going to keep going the other way. So Rather have it at 14 and a half than 16. But like I said, all the way up to 17, I think I'd play it. So let's move did on to see, the next. Did you see what it opened at? Um, no. I'd have to look real quick. Let me get it pulled up. Yeah, 19 and a half. Oh, wow. So it's steamed way down, and now there's a lot of buyback going on. So, you know, interesting there. I think 19 and a half was definitely a little bit high. And uh, I think 14 was probably a little bit low. So somewhere in the middle there is probably a good spot to bet it. And I'd be happy to take the Terps. So love that. I'd also like a Maryland team total over. It's at 31. I think that thing could soar. I think they could easily put up 40 points as well. So wouldn't hate that if you don't want to hit your wagon to a big spread there. Moving on. Grayson is not here, but I know he'd be proud of this pick. We're headed to South Bend, Indiana for Notre Dame playing host to Central Michigan. Fire up chips, and they are getting 34 and a half points. 
it's a sleepy spot for Notre Dame as they get ready to bring Ohio State to town next week. And as Grayson has explained, they are notoriously sleepy in these sleepy spots. So give me 34 and a half there. I do think Notre Dame wakes up in the second half, probably beats them by 20, but 34 and a half is just too much for me. Fire up chips. Give me the Chippewas in this one. Yeah, the fighting Chippewas, you know, I don't necessarily have as much optimism as you have. Uh, I think it's a different Notre Dame team with Hartman at quarterback, but a prime opportunity to find out if they, you know, are for real. I know it's kind of funny to say against a Central Michigan team. Are they for real? You know, not necessarily the, the best way to test it, but good for, you know, to see if these guys are going to take them seriously. And, you know, Notre Dame has higher aspirations uh, in the end of the year. So, Again, just kind of monitoring. It's going to schedule's going to get a lot tougher for Notre Dame here throughout the rest of the way. So, again, sleepy spot as you mentioned. It'll take the foot off the gas. Do they play Ohio State next week? It is next week, my friend, the twenty third. So again, you could definitely see them taking the foot off the gas in the second half, preparing for that one a little bit, making sure they got their guys healthy. And, you know, potentially late cover town for the Chippewas, so I don't hate it at all. Yeah, back door could be open in this one, and front door maybe as well. You know, could easily see this being 14 at halftime, and, you know, Notre Dame just kind of coast the second half and don't really put it away, but it's never really in doubt. So looking for that one. Let's just keep it within the number the whole time and uh, get out of there with like a, you know, 38 to 7 or something like that. that. That's cover town for me, and we will happily take it, so. Reed, I know you've got a couple games you're looking at. Let's get get it over to you. Let's see uh, what you're looking at in the trash bin here. Yeah, I next kind of on the docket, we got Northern Illinois and Nebraska, which by most people's standards would be unwatchable. But for people like us, I can promise you we'll have eyes on the screen and – you know, if it was a little bit closer, I'm sure we'd be at the game. But, you know, Nebraska, as we've seen this year, has, you know, this kind of the story has been their horrible offense. Jeff Sims has not been good and turned the ball over too much. And, you know, same old Nebraska, as, as they seem to say. I don't think enough has been talked about about their defense and really how good it's been. They, you know, were essentially shut down Minnesota until the last couple of minutes there in that game. And, you know, really Colorado looked out of shape and not even close, like what they looked like in the first half uh, in that game. So defensively, you're taking two offenses that you played in the last two weeks, and this team is going to be significantly worse on offense. So ten and a half points for Nebraska, to me, it's like, can Nebraska score 20 points against a bad Northern Illinois team? I think they can. So for that reason, I love Nebraska minus 10 and a half. I am shocked to say it, honestly, after hearing it, but I believe it, and I don't think it'll be close. So you're telling me whenever you get the chance to back a team that Lost to an FCS opponent last week. You're not going to take that opportunity? Because I sure am. Give me the Huskies. We want those 11 and a half. I got it at 11 and a half. But 
anytime you can take a team who just lost to an FCS school the week prior to playing a Power 5 Big 10 team, you just quite simply have to take that opportunity. So I'm going to be happy to do so there with Northern Illinois. They play, they play a physical brand of football over there in the MAC, and with Nebraska's huge limitations offensively, especially at the quarterback position, I'm willing to take my chances on a MAC defense being able to neutralize them enough to stay within the number. Do I think NIU has a real chance of winning this game? No, not necessarily, but I do think that 11.5 is too many points. I think they keep this thing within a touchdown for most of it, so be happy to take the chance there. Rocky Lombardi yeah. has, you know, been there eight years now. So, yeah, last time I checked, Jordan Lynch was no longer on the roster at quarterback, the record setting guy there. So, not too worried about that team. Yeah, that's fine. Go Huskies. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Uh, Reed, I know, I think you've got eyes on one more just true dumpster there. But, I mean, I've got to appreciate your angle on where you're going with it. Yeah. Uh, Wake Forest for me playing at Old Dominion, uh, the land of the, the mighty monarchs. I, you know, looked at this line and I know Sam Hartman's gone. I know that they had to replace him with potentially the shortest quarterback in the power five. And I just see the line at 13 and a half and I'm thinking, is that supposed to be 23 and a half? Like what? I don't, I don't see the discount. I, I don't understand. Old Dominion is not good at all. Wake Forest is, you know, they may not be great defensively, but they can still put up a lot of points. Uh, I think they'll probably be in the fifties here and Old Dominion would maybe scratch a couple scores across at 13 and a half. I love them laying those 13 and a half. Uh, I'd be shocked if it was even a sweat. Uh, I'm definitely taking those Demon Deacons out there, minus 13 and a half. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I was down on Old Dominion to start the year. I am still down on them. I don't care that Sam Hartman is gone. Wake Forest is a proven program, and I am willing to lay the two touchdowns. So give me, give me, give me the Demon Deacons there. I've got a little three-pack here to finish us off. Uh, We're going to Stillwater. And we are going to look at South Alabama against the Pokes of Oklahoma State. Bit of a stinky line here. You've come to know me for for diving into a little bit of the stinky lines. And uh, I'm taking another one here. This one is looking at about seven, seven and a half, depending on where you find it. Uh, For Oklahoma State, they still haven't settled on a quarterback. They are rotating them through alternating series between the three of them. Uh, You've got Gundy's kid in line to get the start this week, but again, they rotate series every time. This is a game that Oklahoma State can mess around and lose. Like, full stop, South Alabama is a very good team. And granted, they've been up against some tough competition this year. They played Tulane. Uh, But, you know, I'm willing to take the chance on, on South Alabama. So, Gonna like the seven and a half there. I'm gonna wait to see if maybe it touches eight. That way, in case there's any two point shenanigans, especially if this game goes to overtime. But give me the team with quarterback stability over the team that does not all day, every day. Yeah, Oklahoma State. You know, I just can't help but think again, Spencer Sanders, where are you? 
surely not living a better life over there in Ole Miss as the backup there. And, yeah, it's I can definitely see why you feel that way about the mighty USA at plus seven and a half. You know, Oklahoma State probably the shakiest, you know, roster they've seen in a couple of years. Hard to bet against Mike Gundy. I think he just, you know, always seems to find a way. Uh, I just, again, that was a no-touch no spot for me, but I don't hate your play at all. Yeah, I mean, I just wouldn't be able to lay a touchdown with the three-quarterback rotation. It's one thing if it's just a couple you're rotating through, but the three guys, that's, you know, I just can't get there with the Pokes this year, and we're on their under for that reason. So sticking to my guns there, and we'll take South Alabama on the chance to pull an upset there in Stillwater. Coming up, we have FAU against Clemson at Clemson. And once again, I asked the question, Reed, if you can take the team that just lost at home to Ohio against the team who just hung 66 points, I mean, you don't want to miss that opportunity, do you? <laughs> you put me in these precarious spots. I, you know, I know where you're leaning, and I know how much I don't love what Clemson is doing as, you know, as a team, their way they shy away from the portal. Um, but those 24 and a half, it's just like, I can see Clemson waking up to the old Clemson and, you know, finding a way to put up 50 placed out defense and, and find a way to cover. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I lean with that plus 24 and a half with the owls, uh, Casey Thompson at quarterback. Yeah, I, I'd be hard pressed, and especially with the way Clemson has struggled offensively. You know, it. I can definitely see your angle there, but yeah, I know, I know how you feel. But you go ahead and give me your take. Yeah, whenever you're looking to take a big dog, you have to see if the favorite is good at finishing drives with touchdowns. And in Clemson's case, they are not. You dig into the red zone numbers, they're only 66% at converting those red zone chances into touchdowns, whereas you look at Florida Atlantic, they're at 83%. So a bit of small sample size theater there, but you give me a Casey Thompson team who, granted, looked uncomfortable last week, but they weren't able to keep him upright whatsoever. And I don't think Clemson's defensive front is what it used to be in years past. So I'll take the chance getting a big number there, you know, especially if Clemson comes out sleepy in that first half and you're looking at, you know, a touchdown game at halftime, I could absolutely see this game staying close throughout. It's all about getting off to a good start for FAU. And I think with the talent that they have, you've got Tom Herman, who historically has been great as an underdog. So I know it's a big step up in competition, but I'm willing to take the chance. I will happily take the 24 and a half. Going to wait it out though, to see if I can get another point or two off the books, but if it stays there, I'd still take it there as well. And then finally, let's wrap up. And once again, I'm going to put you in a predicament here, Reed. If you pass up an opportunity to take the team who just lost to Rice last week against a team who just hung 41 last week at home, I mean, are you going to miss that chance? Because I'm sure not. I saw that Houston game and... You know, they've had a kind of an up, they've had a wild year actually to start with that week one win uh, over our beloved UTSA Meepers. But 
you know, I have to think that TCU is scratching their head in the locker room wondering how quickly things have changed. And I think that they find a way to get back over the hump. I'm just down on Houston. I, I got to say it, you know, Rice, I, I mean, what is going on here? I, yeah, I, I definitely think that the line is not so comforting at seven and a half, but I think TCU goes in there and, and probably beats the brakes off of Houston. See, I mean, here's the thing. Whenever you're looking for upsets, again, you look at the red zone. TCU only 70% at converting their red zone chances to touchdowns. Houston's at 82%. So I'm willing to take the chance on the red zone opportunities. Dana Holgerson is great as an underdog, especially at home. And then, you know, I think TCU with Kendall Bryle as an offensive coordinator, I don't think they found the same rhythm that they've had last year. You know, not the same level of quarterback play with Chandler Morris. And, you know, I think to be just completely honest, I think some of that magic is gone. So I'll take a fired up Houston team only receiving 26% of the bets, but 62% of the money. So a lot of big money on the Cougars there, and I'll be happy to back them too with the seven and a half. So, all right, good stuff there. There is just one order of business left for our football portion of the podcast. It is time to own the board. The boys are hot. I will pull up the books now. Uh, I will also post this out on Twitter with the results from last week. Reed has stormed up from last place to first. Reed is up 522 Monopoly bucks on the year. Just absolutely stunting on the rest of us. I am in second, about halfway to Reed's total. I'm at 266 Monopoly bucks up. And Grayson, who lost just a few Monopoly bucks last week, Landed on Reed's big hotel down there on uh, Broadway on uh, Boardwalk Avenue down there. So he's down at 130 Monopoly bucks. But Reed, you had the big week last week. I got to kick it over to you. What is your own the board picks for this week? You know, I chose to keep it a little simpler. Um, you know, didn't love. You know, I, I, I got a comfortable lead right now, so I can afford to play it a little bit safe. So I made one parlay. I used my good friend, Mr. Alternate Spread, and I took UTSA minus two and a half at home against Army, who I don't think is very good. And hoping Frank Harris plays there. I think that's going to be a big factor in that one. Uh, but the defense at UTSA has been better than advertised, so... I like that spot. Uh, paired that with LSU Moneyline. I feel confident about them covering that game, but if if not, I can't see a way they lose. So love that one. And Tennessee minus two and a half. You know, in Florida, I again Florida stinks. I've said it enough. I won't say it anymore. So pair those three together. Get plus one fifty three on the board. I can't see a way this doesn't happen so i'm liking my chances and you know moving forward with confidence you're kind of going for the kill on us here with yet another three-teamer you just you just hit a five-teamer last week you hit a two-teamer last week you're going for the three-teamer this week you're kind of going for the kill on us with your uh your plus money at all of your monopoly bucks there but 
Gotta say, I respect the strategy. I just hope it doesn't hit for my sake. <laughs> so me being in second place, I will take the liberty to go next. I've got five plays this week. We're kind of spreading out the nuggets a little bit. Last week, I took a shot on Miami. Was confident in that one, and they came through for me with the outright win. This week, we're getting back to our roots here. We've got four spread picks, and then I'm going off the grid for my last one. So first off, we're going to take Mississippi State plus the 9.5 at home against LSU. Got that for 21 Monopoly bucks. We got that at minus 105. Next, we're headed to South Bend. We will take Central Michigan Fire Up Chips plus 34.5 for 22 Monopoly bucks at minus 110. Next, we're headed to Stillwater. We're taking South Alabama plus the 7.5 for 23 Monopoly bucks, minus 115 there. You'll get the sense of where my trash segment was going because I have all of these in my own the board picks. So uh, love a good teaser. Love when it happens. Love when a plan comes together. Then we've got FAU plus the 24 and a half for 23 Monopoly bucks there at minus 115. And if you're doing math over the podcast, that leaves me with 11 Monopoly dollars left. And so what we're doing, we're headed overseas. We're going to the links, Reed. We're playing golf. And we're going to back my guy Tommy Fleetwood this week to win the BMW PGA. He's 12 to 1. You know, he's an absolute flusher. And we're going to take him to win it. 11 Monopoly bucks would pay out something like 132. So just a little, just a little ETF fund back there. Just hoping it pays off one day and uh, we'll ride my guy, Tommy Fleetwood there. Shout out Tommy Fleetwood. We'll have to uh, see if he wants to get on the pod someday. I would love to get Tommy on the pod, but uh, you know, since uh, Grayson is not here, but I've got his plays and it appears that he went to the Reed Roloff school of parlay. I mean, we've got two three-leg parlays cooked up here, so I'll go ahead and get these plays to the people. Number one, we've got a three-legger at plus 559 for 70 Monopoly bucks. He's going big on this one. He's got K-State minus the four and a half, Washington minus the 16 and a half against Michigan State, who has all sorts of issues, which we here at the GT Counter will not be discussing on this podcast. And uh, he's got Wyoming plus 28 and a half against Texas coming off the huge win against Bama back in the Cowboys to keep it close there. That is plus 559. And lastly, he's got another three legger cooked up. This one at plus 389 for the remaining 30 Monopoly bucks. We've got Wisconsin minus the 19 UTSA on the money line and Memphis minus the 14 and a half against the water troops that's you know a tough one there back in the back in memphis back in the water troops at plus uh anything more than two touchdowns is typically the side but hey no risk it no biscuits so we appreciate grayson for uh backing the tigers there your reaction to those picks reed yeah it was uh brought a little smirk to me seeing that grayson went with papa roloff's here strategy so I appreciated that one. Um, yeah, I want a little bit of a different approach here. We'll see if it pans out for him. You know, not sure I agree with all those takes, but again, that's why we play the game. There it is. Clearly, he's a uh, Moneyline Masterclass listener with the uh, the plays there. So got to appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, I do appreciate that, Grayson, if you're listening. Uh, we'll have to uh, talk about that sometime later. Yes, sir. So coming up next, 
Let's get out of here with odds and ends. We've got a few things cooked up for you. We have to get an update on our short king who escaped state penitentiary in Pennsylvania. We've got a hacking story, and then we're going to play Wavelength. We've got to introduce Reed to the game, so that'll be coming up next. Coming back, Reed, it is time for odds and ends, everybody's favorite segment. And we've got three very diverse things to hit here. So starting off, the... uh, the famous short king who escaped the Pennsylvania State Penitentiary, our guy Danilo Cavalcante. He was arrested this morning after uh, a police dog came up and just ripped his head off pretty much. Apparently he has a, uh, a big wound on the top of his head, which is just tough to see. But So this is the guy who spider walked out of the state penitentiary in Pennsylvania jumped through a barbed wire fence because somebody had escaped through said roof before. So he jumped through the barbed wire and got out. And then he's been on the run for two weeks. He managed to escape multiple police perimeters, stole a car, like a work van, and had people working for him. They were helping him escape their freedom. His goal was to try to get to Brazil, but uh, my guy couldn't make it past Philadelphia. He's wearing an Eagles uh pullover when he gets uh, arrested saw a, uh, a helicopter picture where they made him pose for a group photo with him and the rifle that he stole from a house on the way i mean talk about some cavalier enforcement there they're they're going for the engagement on instagram for a guy who stabbed his wife 38 times like the the clout chasing by the u.s marshals it's it's despicable don't you think <laughs> yeah i Upon hearing this story, uh, my mouth seemed to drop further and further the more the story continued to happen. Uh, pretty fitting that he was wearing a, an Eagles shirt, so it all makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he changed his appearance multiple times while on the run. I mean, they came within 10 feet of him multiple times in his pursuit, and they still got out. I mean, the real question is, so this guy escaped prison and was on the run for basically two weeks. If you were given a one-hour head start on law enforcement, how long could you stay on the run? You know, I've pondered this question for quite some time. One-hour head start. Well, you know, I, I how, how much money do I have? Do I have no no dollars to my name? Is that is that where you we're have going? what you normally have in your wallet? So, you know, if you normally have a twenty in there, you got twenty bucks. All right. Well, you know, I give myself. Maybe 24 hours. You know, I've, I've pondered this. I think at the end of the day, it's not hard to uh, identify a 6'5 male. So as much as I could shave off my head, put a disguise, I can't shrink. So, you know, maybe I haven't watched enough prison break to uh, be a Michael Schofield and outthink every situation. So... Yeah, I don't give myself more than a day. What about you? Well, the other thing, you can't get rid of that distinct flamingo tattoo either. So, I mean... Yeah, that's there forever. That's there yeah, for life. That, that is distinctly <laughs> identifying there. But for me, gosh, if I was given an hour, I think that I could maybe make it 12 hours. You know, I'd have to be conveniently located to an airport, try to get through security without getting flagged by... Uh, I'd have to be through security by the time my hour was up. So it's probably a tough scene there, but you know, I'll give myself 12 hours max. Uh, I'm not good on the run. I'm not, I've lost a lot of weight granted, but still not in shape to go on the, uh, 
you know, the miles and miles of running that uh, our short king here did. So I think the best plan of action is to lay low for a bit. You, you know, the, the obvious thing to do is to get as far away as you can, which in theory is a good idea. But maybe take the approach of, you know, go find some woods somewhere, lay low. As long as you can survive, you know, find a way to get a little bit of food, survive, get some water. You wait a month when it's calmed down a little bit. That's when you make your exit. So maybe one day we'll be thrust into this opportunity ourselves and have to figure it out. <laughs> well, we certainly hope not. But, I mean, <laughs> maybe there's an outside chance of that someday, I suppose. But, you know. Not in the same way this guy was, let's say. No, that. no, no, no. If we were doing this, it would both be, uh, you know, it'd be something for like a game show. I know that there was a, a show out there where they, they tried this and, you know, most of the time they weren't able to escape. So I I have the feeling that we'd be the same there. Then moving on in news that is a bit close to home for us in the uh, the sports and casino scene. MGM and Caesars were hacked by the hacking group Scattered Spider. And apparently uh, MGM International has had their casinos be taken out of order for the last two days. So none of the slot machines are working. The hotel key cards aren't working because they're off the system. They have to manually check people in and out of their hotel rooms. And uh, MGM has said they're not going to pay the ransom. However, Caesars was hacked first, and they decided that it was worth it to pay the ransom to the group. And they paid upwards of $50 million to avoid these, uh, these hackers. So, you know, my question is, at what point is it worth it to pay a ransom? Or uh, are you just going to sit there and eat the consequences like MGM is, which is they're obviously bleeding money and reputation at this point, but you know, paying a ransom isn't exactly a good business move either. Yeah. It's they obviously you were not prepared as they should have been. And, you know, came back to bite them. And now it's like, well, what do you do in this situation? They're trying to mitigate it as much as possible, but, yeah. What was the name? You said Spider. So it's Scattered Spider, which is yeah. hackers based out of the United States and England. It's a pretty legendary name. Uh, give them that. So, yeah, pretty wild story. <laughs> Clearly, they were successful. I mean, they shut down all of MGM. It's all over my TikTok. It's, uh, you know, it's apparently a big deal out there. So hate to see it for our guys. But, hey, pay your IT people. They're worth it. Pay the nerds. All right. All right, let's keep it moving. Last but certainly not least, it's everybody's favorite game, except if it's not your favorite game, which that's okay. It's time for the Wavelength. I've got a number in mind. Reed's got three questions to ask, and we're going to see if he can't match the number to what I'm thinking. So, Reed, take the keys. The show is yours. Let's do this. Yes, uh, excited about it. I got some... Three very different questions. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So, starting off, FBS football team this year. This year. Okay. So, are we doing, like, projected or, like, up to this date? Yeah, projected. What, 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 we, what we think. What we think. Okay. Um, I think this is a pretty easy one. We're going to go with USC. Okay, so 
definitely five or above, you know, probably leaning seven to nine, you know, honestly, eight sounds pretty good, but we'll, we'll keep it pushing here. Um, let's go with type of dessert or dessert. Let's go dessert. Just dessert in general. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go with this because obviously like the chocolate chip cookie is a great dessert, but if you put it up against something like, you know, a cheesecake or something, you know, I wouldn't say that a, a cookie is a 10 on that scale. Right. But, oh man, we, let's see. We're going to go with, we're going to go with the red velvet cupcake. Okay. All right. It's definitely something that you see, you know, you get excited about it for sure. I know I sure do. Uh, yeah, that's it packed. It's weight for weight. That's one of the most talented players out there. So, you know, I'm definitely thinking, you know, kind of in that seven to nine range again, maybe eight to nine. Uh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Last question, I will say, Will Ferrell movie. Oh, man. There are so many different options here. That there are. Gosh. So, you know, it kind of just depends on what you think of Will Ferrell and if his movies are funny or not. You know, there's some newer ones in there, but we're going to stick to... We're going to stick to a classic one that I think can stand the test of time here. And we're going with semi-pro. Okay. Okay. I think, I think I have the answer here. Oh man, I'm nervous. All right. I'm locking it in. I think it's an eight. You would be, drum roll please, correct my friend, it is the number yeah. eight. Yes! Oh. What a thrill. I was worried that I might have shot too high there on the Red Velvet Cupcake, so maybe went a touch lower on the movie than what I would have originally, but yeah, eight out of ten. Can't complain about any of it. Yeah, that was well done to you. That that was uh, Dave said we are on the same wavelength. So. We are on the same wavelength, my guy. So dialed in. I mean, wavelength. It's got to be one of the most electric games that we play on this show. I mean, the drafts are obviously great. And speaking of, I think we've received a callback on the uh, the nickname draft. We might have to run that thing back. I've received some word that uh, we missed quite a few of the nicknames there. So There's we might. So many. I think that was just me and Grayson who did that one. Were you there for that one? No, I did the nickname. Oh, you yeah. were there? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, we uh, we might have to run that one back. I've uh, officially received notice that we uh, we might be uh, receiving a recall on that uh, on that draft. So, yeah, we might have to work that one in there. We've got a good one coming. Uh, the next time we get the three-man weave together, we'll do uh, – fictional athletes which i'm just so excited for i've got a list already started and uh i know there's so many options there video games 
you got movies, TV. I mean, it's a it's a true uh, choose your own adventure there. But I'm here for it. We just need to get Grayman back in the booth, and we'll be cooking. That's right. That's right. All right, Reed. Tell the people where they can find your podcast, and uh, you know what we what you've got going over there on the Moneyline Masterclass. Yeah, up on Spotify, find me at the Moneyline Masterclass Sport Betting Pod. Uh, you know, branching out to Twitter now. I guess we formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. Uh, you can find me there at Masterclass ML. Uh, unfortunately, the character limit put me in a little bit of a bind there. So, at Masterclass ML, and you know, recently going to dive into the TikTok game. You'll see a lot of fun challenges there from here on out. So go ahead and give me a follow there at the Moneyline Masterclass. Uh, you know, obviously, been putting this together for quite some time and a lot of fun to you know go over all this. Having Edsel on my pod, so a lot of fun this year so far. Early in the fall, and only going to get better from here. Yeah, the the home and home podcast schedule we've got going. I encourage you to listen to every episode of Reads there. They're helping you make money. Five and zero week last week. No big deal whatsoever. Just hand them out for free. Read. I know. I at some point, if this continues, I'm going to have to start charging. But you know, don't want to get to that point. You know, obviously, we love to hand it out for free, especially in year one. So go ahead and give it a listen, and uh, I'd appreciate it. That's right. And you can catch me over there on the Monday weekend recap episodes. Reads obviously here on the GT counter every Thursday to give you his take on the weekend upcoming. And we're excited to do that through football and then uh, maybe work something out for a little college basketball too. I know I'm a big college basketball guy. I know Reed likes to dabble in that space as well. So, you know, we might be coming at you for eight to nine months here nonstop of just handing out winners. I mean, who doesn't love free winners, Reed? You know, we can get on here and talk about Bellarmine basketball, the beautiful game of Bellarmine all day long. So, yeah, what a fun area to get into there as well. Can't wait for it, but uh, that's for a future date, although it is not as far away as you might think. We are already approaching mid-September. We're getting towards conference football play. Next weekend, the 23rd, is going to be an absolute banger of a slate. Me and Reed might be on site at a uh, establishment there to watch all of the games, take it in, try to put Reed's knowledge to work, and uh, we are excited to do that and hopefully have a full report for you on the uh, on the Moneyline Masterclass the following day. So can't wait for it. But I think that's going to be it for this episode. We covered a lot of ground, and uh, you know, hopefully we've made you all smarter with the information here for the upcoming weekend. So for my co-host who is not here, Grayson Winters, for my guy Reed, this is Tyler Edsel. We will see you next Monday for the weekend recap. Can't wait to see what happens this weekend. But uh, until then, see ya.